Thank you for tuning in to episode four of Genealogy Showcase, a show about how and why we study family history. We have a brief recap of the FGS conference in Pittsburgh, and we have short stories told by two of the attendees who stopped by the Genealogy Showcase exhibit booth. We had a small portable podcasting studio set up for this purpose. There were about 100 booths to visit and over 150 sessions to attend. The FGS conference is put on annually in a different location every year. And in 2018, it is in Fort Wayne, Indiana, August 22nd through the 25th. Fort Wayne is special to genealogists because it houses the Genealogy Center inside the Allen County Public Library, the second largest genealogical library and the conference is going to be right nearby. I was there last year for the Association of Professional Genealogists Conference, and I'm telling you, there is a lot to research. You'll want to take at least a whole day for that. And speaking of APG, please introduce yourself if you are going to attend this year's event in Arlington, Virginia, right outside Washington, D.C., and let me know how you like the show. If you won't be attending, you can still leave a review in iTunes and let me know that way. During this episode, I will be congratulating the winner of the randomly chosen drawing for an Ancestry DNA kit from Booth Entries. But let's get right into our first story from Donna Hale Ritchie. Donna, take it away. Okay. I'm telling the story of my great-great-grandfather, who was born in Merthyr Tidville in Wales, and he came to this country in 1865. His story begins more with his mother, who had to take care of him after he lost his leg at the age of 11 while working in the coal mines in Merthyr Tidful. He got caught between two carts that were taking coal out of the mine and got his leg mangled and it was removed and so it's kind of a miracle that he actually lived to tell a tale and that's due to the care that his mother gave him during this period of time. So he was able to go to school after this accident, probably because the mind decided that it would be a good thing for them to educate him rather than suffer any problems because of the accident that caused him to lose his leg. So he was able to study with a famous Welsh teacher, Talzin Williams, and became a machinist, and later even studied with Bessemer in London to learn about the new processes he was using with iron in the mines. After he studied and completed his education. He worked for the mines in his hometown for a total of 22 years. He and his family, which included three sons and a daughter who had been born in Wales and his wife, they left Merthyr Tidful in 1865 to come to the United States 
He landed in New York City the day after Lincoln was assassinated in 1865 and soon made his way to northwestern Pennsylvania where he worked in some machine shops and for the railroad in Johnstown, Pennsylvania and Pittston, Pennsylvania and later came to Pittsburgh where he worked for a number of years. After setting up a shop to make steam hammers in Pittsburgh he eventually moved that shop to Alliance, Ohio because he had gotten a contract to build a factory there on as long as he built it on railroad land and so the railroad went right through the middle of his factory which was very convenient both for the railroad as well as for my grandfather. He became very successful in Alliance and eventually left the business to his sons and son-in-law and died a few days after he was appointed as a consul to Wales by uh, the president at the time. He was a great friend of Andrew Carnegie and William McKinley. He ran unsuccessfully for uh, a congressional seat in Ohio, but uh, that didn't phase him. He just continued on. He died in 1897, and his wife died uh, a month or so after him. And he left six children and many grandchildren, and I'm proud to say that he is my second great-grandfather, Thomas Reese Morgan from Merthyr Tidful. Thank you very much. That, that was a great story. Thank you for sharing. You are, and where are you from? I'm Donna Ritchie. My main name is Hale, and uh, I was from Ohio. My father was in the service, so I was born in Texas, and we moved all around, but my family was from Ohio. Oh, right. It's, uh, it's nice to have you here in Pittsburgh at the FGS conference. Are you enjoying the conference so far? Very much. It's a great conference, lots of super speakers and great vendors in the hall here and things to see and uh, do in Pittsburgh, so I'm happy to be here. It's great to have you. Thanks for stopping by. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I am announcing the winner of the Ancestry DNA kit. To remain unbiased, I did not pull the card from the box myself. I turned to Jill from Research Ties in the booth to my left for the honors. Have you ever found a source when you're in a library or courthouse or even sitting at home researching online and wonder if you've been through it before? Why waste time going through the same source over and over again because you can't remember what you've looked at? Research Ties is an online portal to record your research log in a searchable database. Check it out at researchties.com. Okay, now for the big announcement. And the winner is Diana Rasigliano of New Jersey, who came by the booth and claimed her prize shortly after the announcement went up on the bulletin board. Congratulations, Donna. Now I continue talking to guests. Here we go. I am here at the FGS conference 
2017 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I am speaking with Carol Johnson of Coriopolis, Pennsylvania. I'm here to talk about my grandmother. Her name was Flora Mae Jordan. She was born in Braddock, Pennsylvania in 1904, and she was the daughter of Edward Jordan and Anna Mae Quinn. Uh, Flora grew up in a nice household. Her father was the uh, chief engineer at Heinz, and her mother stayed at home, which was common at that time. She was the oldest of about seven brothers and sisters. She went to work as a secretary at Heinz's, but found that she didn't like that, so she decided instead to be a seamstress, and she worked for a company in Pittsburgh called Nancy Cahill, who was a, a supplier of uniforms for maids and in the Allegheny City area. So as part of that job, my grandmother would go into the house, homes of many wealthy people to measure their maids and to do seamstress work. She then, as part of this job as a seamstress, met a man named Walter Solzer. Walter was a uh, 20 years older than she was. He came from a wealthy family of Swiss immigrants who came to Allegheny City and made their fortune in the plumbing. They were lucky enough to come into the t at the time when gas lighting was becoming very popular and so they plumbed a lot of the homes in that Allegheny City area and provided plumbing and supplies for other things. She uh, had two offers of marriage. One offer was from Walter Solzer, who later became her husband, and another man who I don't know. So she asked her father which one she should choose. He told her he would go with Walter, but he, because even though he was 20 years older, he had some money, he, you know, he had a good future in front of him. So she and Walter married, and, uh, in a tent, and what happened after that was he was a had been a playboy and he was really pretty much part of the, he belonged to the East End Allegheny Society which was a group of rich kids that ran around and did fun things. But once he got married he worked in his father's haberdashery on East Ohio Street and she worked there as a seamstress and they lived upstairs. Things went along pretty good until 1929 when he lost all of his money in the stock market crash. So here she had chosen him for his money and he, he gambled it all away on futures or whatever they were back then and he lost, he lost all of his money. So they continued to live above the store and they had two children. Unfortunately, calamities like the stock market crash, which obviously he had nothing to do with, uh, continued to happen to them. So in 1936, on St. Patrick's Day, there was a huge flood in Pittsburgh. If you go downtown and look on the buildings at the point, there are markers way above your head as to how high the flood waters were. At this time, their, their store and their home on East Ohio Street were inundated with water. And they lost all of their inventory and they lost their home. And they were forced to move in with uh, Flora's family. So the 1936 flood wiped them out and they moved back. They had to move in with her parents, who at the time 
her younger brothers and she had a younger sister still lived at home. So it was a crowded house. There she is with her two children. They were both under the age of five and her husband and the brothers and sisters. Well, within the month, calamity struck again and Walter, her husband, became ill from dealing with trying to clean out the store and the floodwaters and he died. So my grandmother lost her home, her occupation, all of her income, and her husband within a month. This had to be very traumatic for her. Her siblings at home were jealous because the two children were getting all of the attention and they, they pushed her to take the children to an orphanage. So I think that she was probably suffering, you know, what we would call post-traumatic stress today. She took the children and she walked up the steps to the orphanage. And when she got there, there was a sign on the door saying that the orphanage was quarantined because they had, I don't know what, whooping cough or something, measles going through. And she turned around and, and the children escaped the orphanage doing Due to, due to the fact that there was a contagious illness going on at that time. So she continued to live with her parents and to take care of them in their old age. And she went back to school and she became a, uh, a beautician and she worked in a beauty shop for a while. Then when the war came along, she worked at uh, St. Joe's Tool and Dye and worked on machines and was one of those you know, World War II, uh, whack, not wax, but one of the people who worked at the factories and took the men's job away. One of the things that she didn't like about working in the factory was that nobody, the men were very protective, that were left, were very protective of how to do things. So she made big signs and put on all the machines on how to run them, how to shut them down, all kind of instructions which made the men very mad. At the end of the war, of course, she lost her job. And during the time she was at that factory, she met her second husband, Joseph Crapweiss, and she married him and had a variety of jobs after that. But she was a very strong woman and a huge influence on a lot of people. That's what I have to say. Incredible. Genealogy Showcase is a production of the Genealogy Podcast Network. You can find other shows at genealogypodcast.com.